the edit. Welcome everybody back to the Limelight Podcast. I'm thrilled, super stoked. This has been a couple months in the making. I'm glad to finally be, even though it's virtually, sitting uh, face-to-face with uh, one of my base heroes, uh, Mr. Billy Sheehan. Welcome to the Limelight Podcast, sir. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, <laughs> looking forward to a good conversation. Thank you. Surely, you no, know, we really appreciate you coming on. Like this is awesome to have the time to do this. My so pleasure. first thing, what do you what do you have uh, what do you have on the lap right now? <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm excited about because she's been away for a long time. This is a uh, the first double neck bass I had made back in the uh, late '80s before we had attitude basses. Uh, Yamaha made it was a series called the RBX. They were nice, but they're a little small for me. So they made a couple custom ones, and they were good, but it still wasn't exactly right. And then we eventually made the uh, prototype for the Attitude Bass, and that's what I've played for over 30 years now. Yep. But, but this had kind of been uh, uh, neglected. <laughs> and actually, I, so, I sold it off at one point, and I kicked myself in the ass for it. And I finally, I got, the guy got in touch with me, asking if I wanted to buy it back. I said, I sure do. So, <laughs> and uh, it had been refinished. I mean, uh, properly by Yamaha, and uh, but it still didn't have the right pickup setup, and you know, so I finally took it to a gentleman here in uh, Nashville, where I'm living now, a place called Corner Music. Uh, uh, Jeff Marple is the, the guy's uh, uh, name. He's a wonderful uh, luthier and guitar repairman. So he has uh, got it all set up. Got a nice, beautiful purple pick guard on it that matches it all, and got some, my new Demarzio pickups in here. Oh, your signature ones, right? Yeah, yeah. We just came out with a, they're called the Relentless. It's quite a, uh, actually, they're they're, uh, working on uh, getting a patent on them now, too. There's a couple very unique features about them. So uh, they've been, uh, they're sold out everywhere uh, right away. So uh, the the response to them has been very, very good. I'm very grateful for that. So we, uh, so we, we brought it up to speed and I've been playing it today, just, just fooling around here and getting my hands in shape. I have a lot of recording coming up, so I'm, I'm uh, just to trying to get you, you, your hands are never in shape unless you're performing live, like yeah, like two hour show five nights a week or more. So it, it takes a lot more to keep get them in shape and keep them in shape when you're not performing live. So I've been just hitting it as hard as I can. Yeah, I mean you got to do something during uh unfortunately the past year just not being able to play live shows. Yeah, <laughs> it's been tough. Yeah, it's been definitely tough. So how's, like, your family and everything? Is everybody okay? Everybody's good. Yeah, no problem at all. Uh, we're not uh, we're not too worried about the situation at hand, uh, but we follow the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, we wear a mask when we have to, and, uh, you know, we hopefully uh, things will open up where we can perform live uh, as soon as possible in, in, in a manner that everyone is safe, of course. Yeah, fortunately, I think everybody's pretty much on the same page with that, whether or not you think it's overblown or not. It's just follow the rules, let's get it over with, and let's get back to, like, normal society. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly right. <laughs> so have you ever played live with uh, the RBX bass that you got there, or no? Never used it live, no. Uh, there's a, there's another double neck, the Attitude double neck. Yeah. That I, 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 it's, uh, I played uh, uh, that live in Mr. Big with Steve Vine, and also now I use it almost for, uh, all the time in Sons of Apollo when I play with Sons of Apollo. And so you, that gets a lot of use, but that's, it's a great bass too. I'm, I'm, it's a, it's, it's a beast though. It's quite heavy. I always tell people my chiropractor loves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Keeps, you know, keeps you coming back for more. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, 
But it, it's uh, and then the difference is because whenever I post about it, everybody asks, "Is uh, one neck is tuned standard, another one is tuned super low?" Ah, okay. Be the last four strings of a five or six string bass. Okay. Uh, this way, uh, when you're playing, when you switch from a four string to a five or a six string, it's a whole different configuration. It's not yeah. any harder to play, but it's just yeah. kind of sometimes difficult to remember where exactly you are because there's yeah. strings on there that you're not used to. So I, I love the four, fing, four string configuration. So I just strung, years ago, strung one neck, B-E-A-D instead of E-A-D-G. Ah, okay. It works great. So I've done a lot of records with basses like that. So the double neck is kind of the same having them both on there at once when you need them. And plus it looks, it looks uh, people here with their eyes. So. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gotta be better. It's two. Yeah. Just showbiz. I've always been akin to five string basses, but like I see guys like you and kind of like my bass here is because I'm a bass player. That's, that's where I learned. And I, I learned indirectly from my stepfather. He introduced me to you oh. uh, years ago because specifically I remember as a kid, I remember being in the car and I remember when my mother started dating him. I was probably like 10 years old. And um, I asked him, like, so you're a musician, obviously, in way less vocabulary than the way I'm about to do it now. But he's like, yeah, I'm a bass player. I was like, what's a bass? Is that a guitar? And he goes, here, listen to the radio really quick. And he tried to get me to, to figure out where the bass line it was. And I couldn't hear it on the radio. And I was like, why would you want to be a bass player? You can't hear a bass. And he introduced me to you and re the recording of MV4. Four three three or five, so <laughs> that's I, my mind was blown. I was like, "That that's a bass player doing that." That that was incredible to me. So that was one of the inspiring moments for me to pick up the instrument. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah, I did that. Uh, that was on the Sick Your Teeth Into That album, the Talus record. And initially, I was going to do like a big distortion feedback, wild ass, crazy <laughs> for, for that on that record. But my amp was very. Uh, 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 it was not very consistent at that time, and the distortion part of it failed. And we were up in uh, Toronto at the studio. I couldn't get a replacement for it, so I just said, well, "I'll try something. I'll try something clean." Here, here it goes. And that's, that's how that's how we got the. Uh, there wasn't never. It was never intended to be like a clean piece. Really? You know, a clean straight straight up bass. Uh, it was meant to be. You know, all kinds of oh, you know, distortion yeah. and stuff. So, uh, so it was kind of interesting. That it came out okay that way. So, but I, yeah, I, I'd say it came out pretty okay. <laughs> yes, that one there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's incredible! Like that, that opened my eyes to what a bass player is, and I kind of explained that to people. And correct me if I'm wrong in, in the perspective I have with it. With people that want to pick up an instrument, obviously, most people want to go towards guitar. And I explained, I'm like, guitar is probably harder to pick up in the immediacy, but in terms of becoming a master at the instrument, the learning curve for bass is so much steeper. Uh, so I agree for the most part. Become a, becoming, uh, getting to the top levels of any instrument is probably equally difficult, but it is true that some are more difficult than others, like a cello and yeah. I think an oboe are considered the two most difficult instruments in the classical uh, bass. But, Bass is funny because you can get you can play the simplest bass in the world, which doesn't take much facility at all, and have an amazing time and have an incredible career and yep. make millions of dollars and be famous all over the world. And yep. it's totally cool. Where, where, uh, and you can do that with a guitar too. I mean, uh, take someone for example like Ed Sheeran, just stands up right. there, 
plays his guitar and sings, yep. and, and who doesn't love him? He's fantastic, you know, it's just beautiful. So there, there's uh, sometimes an artificial pressure put on people that have to reach a certain level. But, uh, but you are correct in that uh, on a bass, to start to get the kind of facility that's noticed when you hear it on guitar, it's, I believe it's a little bit more physically difficult. And, and there aren't as many uh, people that have done that prior to you so you, you're kind of in, in uh, uh, uncharted territory when you're doing sure. it. So a lot of the things that I did when I was young, though there were, of course, great, great bass players who I stole everything I could from, uh, <laughs> a, a lot of stuff, you, you kind of had to wing it and figure it out on your own. And now, fortunately, there's a, a huge foundation of players that have, have gone very, very far and, and can teach all of us something. Uh, so it makes it a little easier. But yeah, uh, bass is, uh, well, the good thing about bass is it's, it's the introduction instrument. I mean, you can get in a band and... Yeah. Yeah, and just ride the, the bass okay. kick and just groove with it. Yeah. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> but, and it's a riot, so it's a great... Uh, I love it for that because it's a gateway for people to just start playing, whether they're yeah. playing the Ramones or... or King Crimson or whoever whoever it is, you know, uh, uh, it's it's great uh, entrance way. For sure, I totally agree. I'm thank you for validating me too, so that makes me feel <laughs> a little bit better, <laughs> a little bit. See, you weren't wrong after all. <laughs> really, like what I'm most interested in about your career specifically is is really I would like to ask you about your mindset in terms of being with so many of these supergroups with guys like Mike Portnoy, uh, Richie Kotzen, like so. <laughs> Really, the, the base question I'd love to ask with you is, since you are a very much a lead player in terms of how you play a rhythm instrument, do you find that as like a benefit or do you find that as a con when you're collaborating with musicians such as Mike Portnoy and these guys that you've been doing music with? Well, a huge benefit because I've got, uh, it, it, you know, if you can run really fast, you can also walk. <laughs> <laughs> You couldn't probably couldn't run fast unless you could walk. So, so but you have greater dynamic range now. You want want me to just walk through this part? Cool, I'm good with that. Let's try that. Cool, it sounds good. Do we need more? Well, we happen to have a big uh, a big bag of uh, options here. Mm -hmm. So if we need like in the uh, the song uh, the Winery Dogs, uh, you saved me. I did a little bass motif. <laughs> And it was, uh, normally we would have to have another guitar or a keyboard doing it or something else. Yeah. So if I can kind of get through and imply that musically on bass, and I'm still playing big fat hole notes as the, as the uh, underpinning. Big fat. True hole notes, too. Pretty <laughs> rare for me, I know. <laughs> but uh, so that, so that uh, as an element, and I, I grew up in a three-piece band where we... Uh, with only three guys, you, you would think our repertoire was limited to ZZ Top or Grand Funk Railroad or Cream or bands that only had three guys in them. But we did things by The Tubes, by Kansas, by King Crimson. And I had to do the extra parts that I would that were required to make the song sound how it was, do the extra things on bass. So it helped us in a couple of ways. In the comedy way, it helped us because you get 100 bucks and there's three guys, you get $33 each. If there's four, you're only making 25 bucks that night. So that was that was a serious concern at one point. But it, but it also helped me to um, uh, to it forced me to kind of get more out of the instrument 
to make up for the lack of B3 or keyboard or rhythm guitar player or what other, uh, whatever other instrument would be within a song that we wanted to cover. And as a copy band, you, your goal was to sound as close to how the thing sounded as possible so that people would enjoy it, come back next week and drink more, and eventually you'd make enough money to pay your rent. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, yeah, in the end, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a help. Uh, uh, and again, it's not a necessity. Uh, there's a lot of uh, great, great bass plays that I love that are that they're, they're just simple, simple players to play a single note, and let it ride. I just uh, did, finished producing a record by a gentleman who was, um, his name is John Statham, and he's a great, great, great songwriter. And uh, as soon as I heard his songs, I, I said, I don't care what it is. These songs are so great. I got to, I got to, I got to work with you. So I produced a record. <laughs> And it's, it's being mixed now, but it's a little countrified. Oh, I, hey now! And that's not my thing at all. I, I was know. about to say that's I really. I mean, you're you're right? in Nashville too, so I mean, like, <laughs> you're yeah, you have you have now. no excuse. You have to dip your toe in it since that's where you are now. I guess I have to. I have to. But <laughs> but I don't want to intrude on the country players who are already here because they you know they, they have it down. So so all the all the bass I play on the record is is uh, really just rock solid simple whole notes and uh nice it it, it uh it, it's it's enjoyable to play too I, I i don't have to be flying all over the place it's nice once in a while that i don't have to get all sweaty and hot and change <laughs> change strings every show because i beat the beat them into submission the night before so that was a cool thing but uh and also uh on the other side of the spectrum we have a new talus record coming and that was that was a little bit more uh uh, aggressive, if you will. <laughs> so you, you got your fix from that. That's good, at least. Yeah, yeah, that's important. Are you still in the recording stages of that, or are you just uh, is it in the mixing phase? Everything is in the mixing phase right now. Uh, for about three records that I'm worked on, there's another three or four full records coming up, and then we have uh, uh, people contact me from around the world to, to play on their tracks. You know, and uh, I learned my lesson, I, and I always write back. I got to hear it first before I agree. Oh. Right, I would too. Right. <laughs> a couple times I said, "Sure," and I got it. Oh man, this is not. Oh no, <laughs> not exactly. And and God bless them, though. That, you know, a lot of young players that don't have it quite together yet. You know, at the time I would work with them and try and help them to get the song or piece together. But yeah. uh, uh, at this point, we're we're kind of busy, so I don't have the time for that all the time. So I. I, I want to at least hear that it's a it's a piece that's together first before uh, I commit to it. But in, in that respect, we've played we've done over 120 songs since the uh, since we started doing this last summer. Oh wow, you've been really grinding that. Yeah. So in all kinds of genres, from electronic dance music to uh, uh, country to uh, death metal. Mm. Oh shoot. <laughs> It's cool. It's cool. Too. Yeah. I too. And it's an interesting challenge to sit down and, you know, okay, here's the song, open it up and wow. Okay. What are we going to do with this here? And, you know, just dig deep. And fortunately I played for a long, long, long time and played most every kind of genre, right. not a lot of death metal, but, uh, but some of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, you usually find something you can, you can do to uh, contribute to the piece. And it's been a, a great adventure. So as from your experience in general throughout the years, like is still being a hired gun as relevant as it was um, 
let's say like 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Cause my personal experience, like I see a lot of, um, you can do a lot, you know, techno with technology nowadays, like you can just really just manipulate, um, anything over a computer and a digital audio board and just really plug in those samples. Like for drums, yeah. for example, I just don't think as a higher gun for a drummer, it's not as relevant because you could literally just, you know, take the samples kit and then put it into place with the song. So is that yeah. still relevant? You think in, in, from what it's, your experience is? You're correct that it is much more. I was never a studio guy. I was always alive and yeah. then recording with my band in the studio. I was never like a, a, a studio guy. I don't read music anyway. So I got to learn things by ear and by heart. And so and I've done a lot of studio stuff like that, but it's much easier if a guy's a reading guy. He can sit down with a chart and play through it and I got it done in, in no time. Uh, so you, but you're correct. Uh, the studio scene is pretty much uh kind of gone but but uh there still are a lot of people that want to have actual players on their on their record right so that that, that that that's a cool thing but yes you can fake it completely there's software you can get that'll do any kind of bass you could imagine or any kind of drum or it's uh pretty amazing and most things you hear on in pop music now straight up pop on the pop charts there's there is there hasn't there wasn't a musician in sight and most of that. Yeah, they were crazy. Yes, yeah, sad to see. But uh, you know, back in the day, I've got a lot of uh, demos from some of the iconic bands that started it all. The Beach Boys, for example. Nobody in the band really played. It was Carol Kay on bass. Uh, yep, she uh, she's been on everything. So, uh, uh, Hal Blaine on drums. He played on almost every yep. '60s single. Uh, forgot the uh, guitar player's name, name, but he was from. Uh, Niagara Falls. Uh, anyway, the, the same bunch of guys played on almost all these records, so there was always a call for studio stuff. And in L.A., I remember talking with guys. They'd, they'd get in a car, go to a session at 9, hit another one at 11, take a quick lunch break. 1 o'clock, they're doing another record. 2, they're doing, you know, they would do 4 or 5 records in a day and then go, go home and repeat the next day. So it's not like that anymore. But, yeah. uh, but it's yeah. nice. And it's an interesting thing, especially I'll, I'll, I'll hear from exotic Parts of the world. I, I did a, a record for a guy in uh, in uh, Belarus, uh, in uh, Serbia, China, wow. Taiwan, Korea, Japan, all over South America, all over the U.S., Germany, a lot, a bunch of Italian stuff. So, so it comes from all over. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I. I uh, I, uh, someday maybe I'll put out a collection of all those songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a the box set. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> <big box. laughs> so again, an another thing I'd love to, to, to commend you on is, uh, years ago, uh, I messaged you through Facebook just because like you, I was having an inspirational moment where I was playing the bass. I was getting what I wanted to get out of it. And I think I was watching one of your, uh, like, I think it was recording of a VHS tape that you had, oh, yeah. uh, just kind of giving uh, advice and just how your repertoire and how you go about your practice routine and some tips and tricks. And I messaged you, not thinking in a million years I'd ever get a message back from Billy Sheehan. And you <laughs> messaged me back. And really the question I'd like, I'd like to bring us to now is, since you are, you're very engaging on social media with a lot of people, um, do you go out of your way to do that on purpose for any particular reason? Because that's something I don't see very often from people at your, at your level. Well, uh, I yeah I do it on purpose. I love to do it. Uh, it does take a huge amount of time and resource yeah, to do it. There's a lot. It does. 
all combined now, all my social media is probably near a million people. Now, fortunately, not everybody writes me every day, but and also in uh, my YouTube channel recently took a big bump. I posted some videos that became really popular recently. And uh, so there, uh, there's a huge amount to deal with there. And I try to, you know, even to click the little thumbs up button or the little heart button, well, let everybody know that I did see it and I read it and I, now, I can't respond to everybody, but I yeah. when, when it requires it where I can, you know, I certainly will. But I enjoy it. It's um, I, When I first started playing, we'd play in little clubs, and the stage was about, you know, maybe 12 inches high above the dance floor area. And so when we get done with a set, we would step off the stage, off the front. Wouldn't be, cause You couldn't get on the stage on the sides, and there was no <laughs> dressing room. So we just step off the stage, sit down with our friends at their table, hang out and have a have a drink or whatever, and look up at the clock. Oh, we got to do another set. So we go back up and play another hour or so. So we were and the audience were one all the time. So we never had that separation of uh, with the bands over here and then you you people are you know. So <laughs> it was always so. Anytime anyone came up to me during those days. You know, outside the club or in the clubs. Hey, I got my bass. Can you take a look at it? You know, I'd pull it out of the case and check it out. Okay, the neck's a little off here. We're going to have to get my hex wrench for me, will you? I <laughs> fix it up for them on there. So it's kind of a tradition of that from the beginning that I, we were always engaged and connected. So it's a great thing that I can be connected to so many people. And, uh, uh, and generally comments are good and uh uh encouraging and uh uh helpful you know when i ask people's opinions of things i you know i get i get, I've got my thumb on the pulse of what's going on out there that's a good thing because I, I don't like to pander to an audience but i do want to i do, do want to do something that they like i like it when people like what i do so this connection uh on social media now uh helps me fine-tune it into into what I think uh, they might be interested in hearing. Again, not to pander, but to, but I do enjoy when people like what I do. That's a nice thing. Once a surprisingly little uh, hatred, and surprisingly, because I I know of some people that uh, they just do not look at their comments anymore, and they're famous and and uh, usually successful and loved by millions but they won't even look at their comments anymore just due to the, the nature of some of them. So I try to, when people like that show up, I try to engage them right away. Oddly enough, you know, uh, I just, you know, get a comment from somebody, you know, I think you, you, you know, some, some horrible thing about me or my band or my bass uh, band. And it's just right back and say, bro, you don't even know me. You know? Right. <laughs> well, the problem is everybody has a voice of opinion now that one can be anonymous or two, like it's just a general thought that everybody's a critic. So, I mean, even yeah. we get backlash from the podcast sometimes, but like it's nothing very, it's something severe, but it's just like, you know, it's there. And I think like when people get to that caliber, um, I think that's why they kind of take a step back and maybe don't engage because they can't handle yeah. that, that, that very small handful of negative comments. But yeah, it's everywhere. Like Tomo Fujita, like he comes out with his, um, we just had him on the podcast recently and he comes out with his guitar program for teaching lessons and such. And long story short, he was saying like, you know, people are saying this is too easy, and then you have another handful of people that are saying like, "Oh, this is too hard." Like, so, like, how do you, you please can't please everybody? everybody. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's difficult. Well, I, I engage them only because you know, I I and so many times I'm literally 19 out of 20 times rather than nine out of 10. That's a greater ratio there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, 99 out of 100. No, um, yeah. the, uh, where where I, where I do engage someone, they end, they 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 they're cool. 
They go, oh, well, no, and that's, that, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you were going to read this. And yeah, I'm going to read it. And you post it in the public, too. <laughs> oh, and it's, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I got all your records and I've been all your shows. Okay, so maybe next time, you know, maybe be a little more diplomatic what you want to say. Thank you very much. And, you know, I try to straighten things out like that. So, so that, that would be the only negative to it at all. And, and it is very, very little. I mean, out of my, the, I did a post about how to, how to make a cheap bass play better. Saw, saw that, that. yeah. good video. It blew up. There's about sixty-five thousand views now, mm-hmm. and uh, I forgot how many likes. But there was like last night. I looked at there's eight or ten thumbs down. Out of that many, it's an incredibly good ratio. So there has I, to be a contrarian in there just oh, to get their mark. Yeah. Still, it's not bad. I mean, you out of a thousand. No. Uh, any given time, if you're hanging, if they're in a room with a hundred people, there's probably five that don't like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter what you do, there's going to be somebody. So, so it's interesting in that respect uh, to kind of see what's what's really going on, get a, a reality on on what people think and what they say, even the even the negative. That's it's part of reality, you know. It's good to know to some degree, uh, but uh, I do enjoy it. I do actually enjoy it. And it has come in really handy in some respects where, you know, I write back to somebody, somebody would write to me and they're, you know, at the, their wits end and they're, you know, considering hurting themselves or, or something. And I just write back and just good roads, good weather. Hey, you know, thanks for listening to my music. It means a lot to me, whatever, you know, just take good care of yourself and, you know, try to be. And, you know, I hear from them a month later that they're, they're okay now. They were going through a rough time. It was a big help to them. So I'm paid in full for, for yeah. it's, it's, that's the greatest thing. You, that's the greatest thing that could happen to an artist is you affect somebody mm. in some way that, that something positive happens in their life. Something negative drops away, something positive comes in. And uh, so I've seen that aspect of it too. So uh, I, I will continue to respond and, and, uh, uh, be interactive with people sure. forever. It's it's important to me. And plus, an, another great side of that. I wherever I go, I got somebody there that that I know. <laughs> I'll be in Perth, Australia, doing a base clinic. And I go, anybody here get an email for me? And about twenty hands go up. You know. <laughs> and then afterwards at the bar, we're all having a beer together and having a great time. So it's a it's a good thing. Oh God, base clinics. I noticed that you've been doing uh, master classes. Uh, obviously, in a COVID environment, I know you guys have been taking precautions with it. How's yeah. that been? How's, how's that been? It has been amazing. One on one, we're in a relatively large room that's separated out. I sit on a couch, and that guy's on a chair, and we both got a little amp, and we yeah. I start to go over their playing with them and ask them, you know, what they might want to improve upon, what they're having trouble with, uh, any question they have about me and my playing, anything I could show them. Music in general, songwriting, uh, all subjects are covered. And uh, we always uh, offer, you know, if you want us to be masked, we, we can do that. If it's up to you, it's up to the, the participant. Most of them are cool. And we videotape the whole thing so that they cool. can take it home with them. Oh, and that's awesome. So we go, uh, I think we're scheduled for an hour, but we always go at least an hour 15. <laughs> and then after, you know, if they want anything signed, we take photos together and all so that. They- have they been winning that through like a, a raffle or how's that? It's been a certain giveaway circumstance, right? Oh no, it's uh, here in Nashville. This is one-on-one in Nashville. They have to contact the store. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and, uh, and purchase the time slot. Usually yeah, we, sure. uh, we do Saturdays and Sundays, maybe once a month. 
Uh, so each day we'll have three time slots. Yeah. Maybe one one time we added four because we got some. We had a lot of backup, so we added four. It was a little grueling because I'm talking like this for you know a full hour. All right, thanks. Nice to meet you. Okay, see you later. Take photos of the next one, then. and I do it again for now. So by the end of the end of the night, oh yeah, I'm wiped yeah. out. But I still, you know, so just that was my endurances for four of them in, in a day. So uh, so we do that usually a, a session a month, a weekend per month. Uh, right now we don't have anything scheduled, but I'm going to probably schedule something for the end of March, cool. uh, maybe beginning of April. And I, another good thing about it is I stay in touch with a lot of the participants where they, I encourage them to write to me, stay in touch, find me on social media if I can be of any further help. Because we, we definitely went over some things, you know, I say, check in with me with two weeks and let me know how you're doing. You know, you can always, we can always come back and do it again, too, or just stay in touch or I can explain something online or in a situation like this on Skype or something if they have further questions about it. But uh, it's a joy to help uh, players out and watch them uh, get that moment where they realize something they didn't realize before and sure. uh, see it on their face. It's kind of interesting. A lot of guys, and some guys have been playing for quite a while, too, but they never really built that really solid foundation that not a lot of us do. Sometimes we're going to go back, lift the house up, and start pouring cement after it's been built. <laughs> yeah. Pain in the neck, but you got to do it or it's going to slide down the mud. And so we, uh, but it's interesting to see when I just take, take things apart simply for people and uh, judging on their level, they get some absolute beginners, too. And I like that because when somebody... Is, when someone's an absolute beginner, let's start them off in a way, they say, as the twig is bent, so grows the tree. Let's start them off in a way that, that it's, it's, it's righteous. So they, they know because there's so much confusing information out there about what you need to do, what you have to know, and it can become overwhelming. Just some real basic cool things that they're going to know and understand is going to launch them. So 10 years on, they're going to be a player. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's especially right now, since a lot of people have had so much downtime to learn an instrument such as bass or guitar, drums, what, whatever, whatever it is. There's so much information available on YouTube where you can get direct access to it, but you don't know where to get the building blocks from. You might be able to do something that's a little bit more technical than you should be doing. And not knowing how to get there is kind of a detriment. So that's interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, that's a very good point, And it's very true. It's an ocean of, yeah. of chaos of information now to fine tune it into what's right what's good for you what is that will i actually have actual value later on uh that's where not to be uh self aggrandizing but when you get a guy that's played for a long time over 50 years uh and over five thousand gigs at least at that point i think i can guide someone to something that will be of value to them uh, and uh, not that uh, uh, someone of lesser experience can't do that also. They certainly can. But I think sometimes I would want to go to someone who's been doing it for a long time and, uh, and doing it successfully and find out where, how they're looking at it. Take it or leave it. I want to see how they're looking at it after all that. So I think that is a, a unique aspect of a one-on-one -on -one thing, not only with me, but with any player that's that's been playing for a long time. I'm an old man, so I got a, a lot of experience with that. So so that's a good thing. But I, and and all that experience, I'm happy to uh, share.
and, and give away. And I've given it away for uh, many, many years. So most of my clinics are free that I do, sponsored by a musical instrument company. Uh, all of my videos that I put out uh, are all free on YouTube now, you know, so they're all there, <laughs> so, which is good. So uh, uh, the fine-tuned one-on-one uh, -on -one thing, uh, the store charges for I'm not going to get rich off it. I get a little bit of money, but you go home and you got your video and the whole thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a, everyone seems very pleased with the deal. And oh, uh, for sure, it's it's a it's a nice thing, and I do it honestly enjoy it. I can tell. <laughs> yeah, I think the one beneficial thing for musicians, especially at the professional level, um, I think is like I mean Zach made a couple points like earlier on the year. Um, you know, people are more engaged with learning an instrument now due to you know the pandemic and everybody being inside and all that such. I mean. Zach made a point back in the podcast earlier episodes, Fender's doing very, very well. And we had yeah. the co-founder of SJC Drums, Custom Drums, Mike Chapari. Uh, even his, you know, business is doing very, very well with selling Fantastic. drums. I mean, like, I don't know if you're familiar with SJC, but dude, you can name a concept like Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. They build those custom kits from the ground up and they're just oh, incredible. Yeah. They're so good. But I think it's fantastic that people are taking an interest in something like music during these times when, you know, it, when this is, when the world stops. So I think maybe uh, a renaissance of some sort might even Great. come back to I, relevance when the world opens back up. I've said the same thing. Uh, uh, I know uh, all the gentlemen I know that are in the musical instrument business, making uh, pickups or instruments or strings or whatever, they're all, they're all uh, they're can't keep the production up on cloud nine right now <laughs> yeah they just keep selling yeah it's great so and we see a, a lot i don't watch a lot of the um like TikTok kind of uh social media only because it's oh it's a it's a cesspool don't get in there <laughs> yeah don't get into it because i actually have to keep up with it now just <laughs> like but really, i do listen know like i did one video where i suggested music and now like people wants like people want me to make spotify playlists so like i have to do this now you know what i mean <laughs> it's 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 exhausting well my, my point is that i have seen a lot of young kids uh from a whole different generation and they're playing and some of them are great so yeah. that's that's wonderful to see i really see a lot of uh, young ladies too it's great to see girls getting involved. fantastic and some of them are kicking ass they're great oh, yeah. Yeah, so so that, that's a good thing. Uh, a little bit of a silver lining to the cloud we're all in right now. <laughs> sure. So when you, when you guys get back on the road, whenever that's going to be, what uh, what city are you looking forward to most playing in again that you miss the most? That's a good question. Well, any city. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I'd say that's a safe bet. Yeah, good. And uh, yeah, people are, it's, you find, I've, I've been very lucky and very grateful to have uh, had the opportunity to travel around the world many, many, many times. Uh, I think the year before last time, I went around three three times around the world uh, performing uh, throughout the year. So uh, we get a great chance to play everywhere and in, in every culture, every situation, people of every language and whatever. And uh, it's just hard to pick one. South America is kind of a it's it's a wild rock is king and it's just amazing. Crowds are huge. It's a riot. A lot of European shows are like that, too. We did a winery dog show on our first tour, I think, in France, in Paris. And there was so many people in the place. Well, we made a joke. The only way you could fit another person in the place is if you cut them in pieces and stuff. Them oh, my God. So crowded. It was unbelievable. 
Uh, Italy is amazing. Scandinavia, Germany, the festivals in Europe are amazing too. USA is still a lot of great strong markets. Japan has been a really special place oh, yeah. in art uh, for many reasons. Uh, uh, Tokyo is a, just the second like on another planet. You know, I, I always tell people, if you really want to travel someplace exotic, but not be in any kind of danger and still be able to get a great meal and go go to Japan. It's it's oh, a, the food's unmatched in Japan. Incredible, and the people are are sweet and they'll help you out, and they usually know a little bit of English, and it's a it's pretty great. And my wife's from Italy. We spent a lot of time there, going to Italy. Oh, what a great excuse! Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. No <laughs> at one point i think there were there were four mr big copy bands in italy that they oh, were right. writing to me you know so that was a that was a cool thing too but picking one city would be tough would be tough i uh uh i think the correct answer is philadelphia by the way okay philadelphia is all specific <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we uh there's some great uh, we uh singapore is amazing uh, thailand i've done shows in thailand Korea is, is just really great. Uh, we first went there in the early 90s, and it wasn't as together because they were just kind of getting into the uh, economic uh, upturn that they're experiencing. Yeah. And, uh, so the venues were okay, but not great. And now, man, it's, it's, the venues are fantastic. Sound and lights are second to none, and the people are just fantastic. Uh, as I said, Japan also, Russia. We did some great shows in Russia. And, wow. uh Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, uh, some some areas of people in America may have forgotten about, but man, the area just there. Rock is just busting out all over, and it's a riot. And as I said, also South America, and we uh, we don't often get to Australia because the the, the travel costs and what have you. Oh, sure, yeah, it's insane. But I I have been there. I played there with Mr. Big. Played there with Steve Vai, and uh, we it is great. I haven't been to New Zealand yet, though. Can't wait to get there. Well, you need to. <laughs> I heard a lot of great things about Japan. My friend Chris Kelly um, used to was uh, one of the co-founders. He's not in the band anymore. The uh, prog metal cover ah. band for Star Wars: Galactic Empire. He was out in Japan. And he said, "Dude, they were treated like like just normal people, but like they would walk on stage and everything is completely set up to exactly how they wanted." With like the he said, the fan, he said the fans there are just unparalleled. They're right. amazing. Yeah, I, I, we just did a. Uh, I don't know much about it. I apologize because it's a Japanese thing, but I think it's the 10-year anniversary of the uh, Fukushima quake. Oh, yeah. yeah, I and, guess so. And uh, so they had a, a special TV special on in Japan, and I'm starting to see stuff on my social media coming in from Japan about it, and uh, it looks like it was just incredible. We, we, uh, when the quake hit, we were just about ready to leave, and every band canceled. And so we had to make the decision, do we go in or do we stay home? Is might it be dangerous or not? So we said, you know what, let's do it. And we went. Wow. And uh, we're the only band, the first one and the only band. And we, uh, our, 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 our philosophy behind it was, like in 9-11, you got to get back into restaurants and movie theaters and plays, get life back up because all these uh, and all the little bars and little uh, watering holes, the sake places that were going out of business because nobody was going out. Yeah. And even though things were under pretty good control by the time we got there, we did not see a single visible piece of evidence that anything had ever happened. It was, oh just it was amazing. They, they got it very together. So our, our, our idea was to go there and try to help bring things back to normal. And of course, we uh, adjusted our show quite a bit to make sure there was a you know, we had a moment of silence for the people that we lost. 
we, uh, uh, we uh, coordinated with the Red Cross, raised about a quarter of a million dollars for earthquake relief. And, uh, and just generally we're there for everybody after the show. We go out and speak with people and hang out and hear their story and all that. And quite, quite touching. So right now I'm getting a lot of uh, stuff on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter from uh, my friends in Japan who have seen the show and they're excited about it. And a lot of Americans are trying to, you know, they're going to have a, uh, like a, a subtitled version. So I'll try to see if I can get that happen and post it. <laughs> but, but pretty amazing. Uh, they were so appreciative that we we did anything. We even wrote a song called "The World Is On The Way" about uh, the the world knows your what's going on here. We're on the way to help, and uh, all the proceeds from that single uh, uh, went to uh, Red Cross. And wow. uh, we we helped a lot of people. We're glad to do it. But it was uh, we we owe them. Japan has been very very kind to us, you know. And as as have like I said, people in Germany and Brazil and everywhere else too. But we're we're always happy to be there when we can. When we see our friends and fans in a situation, some kind of natural disaster thing, anything we can help, we can. We do, of course. Yeah, yeah. Good for you to have that wherewithal. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, quarter right of a million is definitely going to go a long way. It's it's better than nothing. Yeah. Honestly, that's 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 incredible. Yeah, very good. We're glad to do it, and uh, so so that was we had a few aftershocks while we were there, though. <laughs> oh, that must have been interesting. <laughs> the Japanese uh, buildings, their uh, building codes are rock solid because they know they know live in an earthquake zone. So that building moves when you're up on the thirtieth floor. <laughs> oh God! We're staying in a hotel. It was the Conrad in in Tokyo. Uh, the Hilton flagship hotel, uh, and the reception is on the 40th floor. So you go up to the 40th floor to check in, and then your room is above that. And uh, and the ceiling in the in the uh, lobby is about must be 50, 60 feet high, yeah. and they have lights hanging from the ceiling that come down about 40 feet. And as we walk in, we see those lights. Oh shoot! <laughs> Hold on. I mean, I mean, I'm sure people from Cali understand like that whole visual. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was sure. Well, the '94 quake in California, I was in the middle of that, and that was yeah. my house got smashed to pieces. Oh so my it was, god, uh, very dangerous. Imagine. We were right that's in the middle. Insane. So wow, that's insane. Jesus. But anyway, well, yeah, that. But I mean, like, good for you for having the wherewithal to understand that. Even though you've been all over the world, you've seen so many people, and obviously you've touched a lot of people with your music and your art. That, like, it means a lot to people, especially when you do the little things like that. And it's probably, I mean, nobody wanted to go into the country. Like, that must have been so disheartening. Like, people were probably really looking forward to that. It's just a distraction of all the misery that's going on, too. Yeah, yeah. So, hopefully, I mean, hopefully, it's going to be something like that here once we get back to normal. We can. That's a good hopefully point. Get Get some more Wandery Dogs and Sons of Apollo shows. Mr. Right Big Talus. That'd be great to see that stuff. Right on, yeah. Yeah, the new Talus record. And I, funny you should mention it, Weir. I just spoke at a call with everybody in the band uh, this evening. And cool. they're, they're doing mixes now. And uh, we decided we decided to do this record. We thought, well, I left the band at 85, joined David yeah. Roth. And, and they, you know, I hadn't really played with those guys or dealt with them at all this particular version of Talos, the last one that I was in. And so we said, well, you know, we, I guess we could do, we did a couple shows and it was a riot and we had a blast. So I guess we could do a record because a lot of the songs that we had, we never recorded properly. 
We had they oh, shot a live albums, but not nothing was ever really recorded properly. And uh, they're on bootlegs and stuff from cassettes back in the in, in mid '80s. So I thought, well, let's let's uh, let's go get our old songs and do them again. Well, we could also do some new songs too. We thought, you know, <laughs> let's just do the old stuff. Let's do <laughs> a time machine right to right to when that happened. And well, we could rewrite them and then, uh, let's leave them the way they are. Even so, there might be some goofy lyrics and some things that I would never let fly these days. But at the time, that's how, how we did it. So we stuck true to true to the moment that that happened back in the mid '80s, and oh, yeah. it came out uh, really good. So we we're, we're really pleased with it, and everybody's that's playing and singing like they as good as ever. So it's really cool. That must be really neat to just be able to kind of step into a time machine. Did, did it feel like you were back in the '80s, like playing with the original, like the original? That must be wild to have that sensation. Oh, it was a blast. And, we, and we're all still good friends, too. So we, we got together to record the basics. We're all uh, in the drummer's house. And the drummer built his own house, like from oh, scratch. And they also built his drum kit. So he had his, 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 his he's a brilliant uh, craftsman. So he built this drum kit in the house that he built, and we recorded it in there. And we had a riot, uh, just playing, playing the stuff the way we used to do it. And uh, so we're really looking forward to it. Uh, it's about halfway mixed now. I'm not sure when we're going to get it out, but uh, I'll be posting it like a madman on my social media when we do. So we're excited. We'll be waiting. We'll be yeah. waiting for it. We'll definitely be excited to see that. Excellent. Um, well, Billy, I'm thrilled to have talked to you. Thank you for giving us your time. I know that you're pretty busy right now, so it means the world to us for you to come on. Thank you very much. And all good questions tonight, too. I mean, <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, we appreciate that. That was good. A lot of listeners, we spoke a bit, if your listeners don't know, uh, uh, prior to that. And uh, I've done I've done a lot of these, and a lot of people just ask the same thing over and over again. So it's so refreshing to get some some new, uh, different questions. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. I'll take that as a badge of honor. That's why I try right. to do it. Yeah, this is, all, this is all credit to Zach, dude. Zach's doing a fantastic job, so that's awesome. <laughs>